Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Big Fitness Podcast. I'm here with Josh Hildebrand. Dude, thanks for coming on the podcast, brother. I just met you over the weekend. Brother, how dope is St. Louis? We meet at a place like Matt Vincent's Place Dope, watching Sam Schaefer fight, and we hit it off, and we're here doing the podcast. Yeah, dude. I mean, that that's what I love. That's one of my favorite things about St. Louis, man, is that like, you know, you can meet all these dope people. Everyone's kind of, it's like a big, small town, you know what I mean? Yep. And everyone's yep. da- down to get after it with each other. Especially when you find an incubator like dope. Yeah, yeah. Dude, it's been, in- actually, it's been totally incredible. I have just met a handful of people from from Dope who are a part of the Dope thing. Um, I'm going to have Matt Vincent on the podcast in a little in, in a couple weeks. Um, there's no uh, set date yet, but in a couple weeks we're going to have Matt on, and uh, he's really created something amazing over there. It's it's incredible, and all the people are just they're so down. They're like, dude, how can I help? How can I get you connected? How can I like? It's 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 very much a group of of get after it kind of people, you know? I do know. And that's amazing. How long have you been around over there? So I was following them on social media. I knew they moved to St. Louis. I was kind of starting my breath and exposure thing. All we had was an ice bath at the time. So I just kind of messaged him like, hey, you want to come through? And you know how busy he is. Like, oh, may, you know, maybe, maybe. And then as soon as he opened dope, I just showed up and I was like, hey, I messaged you a couple times. Like I teach, I can come through and teach. And then literally just, got on his retreats. So now I teach five or six retreats for people that travel all over the country and come there. And I'm part of that, that retreat. So I teach breath and exposure to these groups of people for Bonnie and for Matt. And it's, uh, it's been pretty rad, man. Dude, that's insane. And he's out, he's out right now. Like he's, uh, he's a, he just went to Montana, right? They had their own travel retreat. Yeah. I believe it was, it was their, saying, first, yeah. their first one. Yep. Yeah, he. Uh, I've just been kind of pay, like paying attention to the stuff he's been up to just lately because, like I said, like just lately I've been meeting all these people from kind of his his circle, and that's amazing. And I want to get into that, by the way. Uh, so I'm just gonna kind of run through some of the stuff uh, that I have for you, and then let's dive into your story, dude, and then kind of go from there. So you are a EMTP, a career firefighter, paramedic in St. Louis, Missouri County, a U.S. Marine Corps combat veteran. Uh, world finalist in the firefighter combat challenge and mm, you got some you have some uh, experience in CrossFit you are a head trainer at CrossFit 26 and an XPT uh, certified coach what else you got and dude this is one this is the thing that I find to be really interesting and I want to dive into breath and exposure STL is your business you created this I know you have an awesome tattoo about that yeah so let's start let's start with that and then kind of go into like kind of what what created that what is what is breath and exposure STL okay so breath and exposure STL um, you come through and I walk you through a little breath practice we down regulate you we up regulate you. We talk about how and why we should be breathing from the diaphragm, how that translates to everyday life, lifting, stressful stimuli like the ice. Um, After that, then we kind of get you in an ice bath and then get into my barrel sauna. I have a barrel sauna and trailer. So we do three rounds of uh, ice and then sauna. And then, yeah, the down regulation and healing happens. So what what made you want to start that? Well, so I'll get into the story. Um, so 2017, uh, I was in, in a dark place. So being in my career, uh, being a military and then a fireman, um, you're always in that fight or flight state. So for the listeners, you're in that sympathetic state. And when you're in that state and you have a career that's like that, you don't have the tools, you don't realize it, right? So what that looked like over time is 
joints hurting, not able to sleep, um, flashbacks. Um, you know, it's a, it becomes a all in, in uh, encompassing kind of thing when you have a job like that until you have the tools. So I was at a very dark uh, place with PTSD and depression. Um, I was in recovery, so I did two years of sobriety. And while I was in that, I found transcendental meditation. So the coach in me thought, how can I Transcendental meditation? It's called TM, yeah. TM. Transcendental meditation. Sorry to interrupt you, but what what exactly is that? So that's basically you you find a local TM coach, similar to a trainer, but for uh, meditation. Um, You meet with them, you do consultations, they give you a mantra, and they basically guide you through how to meditate. Okay, got it. But the point is, it took me three months to figure out how to meditate, right? So the coach and me, I thought, God, I feel great. But how can I get these alpha personalities, these lifters, these military people, firemen, right? How can I get these dudes to sit down? And how can I coach them how to be present? How can I get them out of that fight or flight? Well, I'm in Austin, Texas during this process. And I found cryotherapy outside of a climbing gym. And instantly... I found that meditation feeling with cryotherapy. And so my brain started spinning and I go down the rabbit hole of studying, learning. I found XPT with Laird Hamilton and Gabby Reese. So I got their cert. I got the Art of Breath cert with Brian McKenzie. I got every cert that was available in the sort of the fitness, breath and exposure realm. And then it started structuring my program to where we're at today. Mm, so you said the feeling of meditation. What, what is the feeling of meditation? <clears throat> Um, and why, why do you have to learn how to meditate? That's interesting. Well, if you think about it, and for the listeners, so our minds are always racing, right? So just being able to kind of sit with self and not be thinking about the past or the future. Um, so there's no real good, if you will, about meditating, but I found that state instantly with the cold exposure. Um, so it's a practice, right? Like I've had people come through that say, it's not life-changing, and it's like, well, yeah, kind of like learning to work out. First time you do it, it's not life-changing, right? But for me, it was because I found that correlation. The coach and trainer in me found that connection like, oh, I can get these high-level people right then, right? I don't want to be part of that three, six-month process because like we just talked about with the one-on-one stuff. But if I can coach them through breath and get them in an ice bath and right away they get that sort of feeling, right, where they're not thinking about anything else, that's when I decided like, okay, so I'm going from fitness and CrossFit. This is my new thing. So there's definitely, uh, dude, there's no doubt there's like this unbelievable benefit in regular med- med- meditation. And this is, I think, is the hard thing for somebody. I mean, I actually think it's it's easier to go and run like a marathon to get yourself into this place you're talking about mm-hmm. than to just sit still and get yourself into that place right. Be- because you're like, it's just you. And your thoughts going wild and you're just engaging with all of them. And it's so uncomfortable that you try to stop it immediately. Right. And you found that, that like, if you put somebody through something, just sit in this, this cold bath, then you, this will bring you to this place. So what is, what is the benefit of being in this place of meditation? Why, why sit down and put yourself through this pain? Um, of being in an ice bath to bring yourself to this present moment. What's, what's the utility? Brother, I've had clients that have gotten off pain meds. Um, it helped me. Um, I didn't really finish my story, but in that oh, place, yeah, yeah, we'll get into it. In that place, you know, I was 
very depressed, had really bad PTSD. I would wake up and like sweep my house. Um, you know, we just hear a noise and my wife, it became normal to her that I would like wake up, sweep my house just because we heard a noise. Um, and so the benefit of that is that outside stuff comes to you and then you become chaos, right? There's so much going on when you're hyper alert that everything is a trigger. Everything's, I got to sit with my back here. I, I couldn't sit here before I started this practice. I would need to sit there so I could see all entry. I need to know what was going on, especially being on the street. I would have to be in hyper alert to be able to com- be comfortable here right now. And so what I do for a living and my practice has made me where I can be here, be present with you and not worry about that. So, so like, then let, let's go back because it seems like, I mean, obviously your experience with the Marine Corps, this is something that's significant to why you started what you do right now. So let's go into all the way in the beginning, man, run through your story. What brought you to this dark place? What brought you to this point where you have like an inability to sit down because you have to be on high alert. Let's go with that first. What is causing this like super dark, dark place in the beginning? Okay. And again, when you're in that place, I feel like, especially the careers that I've chosen now coming up on two decades of, you know, multiple combat tours in the Marines and then being a fireman. So you're in it and you don't really realize that you're in it. Um, So multiple tours in Iraq, came back, went to college for a little bit, got hired in a big city department. I worked for St. Louis City for seven years. Um, And like I said, you're in it, you're doing the work, but you don't realize that you're creating this hypervigilance all the time. Mm. And you sort of normalize having to sit a certain way. You normalize having to do things tactically when you're just having dinner with your wife or out with your kids. And there's a normal level of concern, right? There's like locking your doors, Uh, But thinking about 18 scenarios of someone coming in right now and hurting us, that's not normal. Um, So I didn't know that. Again, I didn't know that until over time, what happens is you start to burn out. And then that becomes all-encompassing. And then, Mm -hmm. like I said, you have inflammation. Depression kicks in. You're always thinking about the worst and you're seeing the worst all the time. So inflammation kicks in, anxiety, depression. um, And then it led up to where... I just wanted those voices to end. Um, and so I was suicidal, um, just kind of really spiraling out of control. Um, and luckily the veteran now for profit that I was working for saw kind of saw that, um, and sent me to some retreats down in Houston. And I did some very intensive retreats for my PTSD. And that's what led me on this journey. And I found transcendental meditation, breath work, um, cause I've always worked out, right. And I don't want to show in the fitness industry, but when you have a very sympathetic state, you're working out, drinking coffee, doing the work that I do. It's just always sympathetic. And so I had all those tools. I had the fitness, right? So from the outside, when I was in my darkest, people would have said, oh, he's doing Spartan races. He's doing coaching. He's doing all this stuff. Um, But I didn't have the tools or the practice to kind of downregulate from that, right? And you have to have that balance. Um, and so that's what this practice is, has given me. That's massive. I don't think people really see, don't understand that difference. You know what I mean? They don't understand that. I've, I've had a lot of yoga instructors come through here and I've talked to a lot of, and I do yoga myself. And I always say like, what do you think the hardest part of a yoga session is for the clients that come in, the, the members who come in? And they always say 
the last 10 minute shavasana all the way to like they'll they'll cut the shavasana down to like two minutes because people cannot lay still at the end like they'll do the they'll come and do the work but they'll lose people because the people if they do a 10 minute shavasana at the end where it's just sit with yourself and don't engage with the the things that come through your mind and it, so it's it's interesting right that like the hard part is to be still be still it's interesting. When you were in Iraq, how intense did it get? Were you really on like, I mean, was it, you can just explain that. How intense was it in Iraq that it kind of, that spilled over? Um, so I was part of the invasion. Um, so I was there a couple months prior. Um, and so we were part of the push and into, into Baghdad. So I, I drove a tactical 18 wheeler, um, which again, being a young, dumb kid, I was like, oh, I'm just driving a tactical 18 wheeler. Later on, once I peeled back and started realizing what I was doing, I mean, I was taking rounds, driving 5,000 gallons of petroleum. Mm. You know, now, 44-year-old me, I'm like, whoa. They were, they were having huge reenlistment bonuses as my, after my second deployment to come back in. And again, once I went through all my work, I was like, I, at that point, was not even really processing what how dangerous and how catastrophic what i was doing was and so again that spilled over and that spilled over when i was a fireman there would be calls where i'd be driving and i would be swerving trying to mess an ied in the road um, and so there's all these little things that started to pop up and started to boil over because i didn't have what we're talking about i didn't have that down regulating practice and if you've read something like the body keeps the score you know it carries in your body. And over time, once that builds up, like I said, the aches and pains, that it builds up and builds up and builds up, and eventually it's going to blevy. Yeah, man. Um, were you Were you like, I mean, how did you, how did you just like do the day-to-day when you were in Iraq? Like, was it something like, you know, like, because that's insane. And like you're saying, you didn't really realize the difficulty. Were you doing something else detrimental? Like maybe... I don't know, being willfully blind to what you were going through that like also carried over? Like what was the, what was going through your mind driving was, that 18-wheeler, man? I was trying to be the best Marine I could be, you know, working out. I have pictures, I'll post after this podcast. I have pictures of me making a barbell with a pipe and cinder blocks, like lifting weights with my buddies, just trying to be mission ready. Mm. Um, so no, that's why young people join or in the military. Because someone like me or you would cognitively start thinking, oh, I'm going to do this in this place. If we had to, right? If somebody came right now and, and tried to affect our freedom, I believe we have some people my age that would do so. Right, right. But there's a reason why enlistment ages are so young. So I was just young. You know, I was doing my job. I'm proud I did it. I'm glad I did it. But the reason why I'm here is to talk about the downregulation part of it. Um, because it's still in the zeitgeist, it's kind of like weak or you breathe or why are you doing these ice baths? It's not macho. I've, I've had guys say, Ooh, that's woo woo. And man, I'm going to tell you what, being able to sit with yourself, it's not fucking woo woo. It's yeah. being a, a rational, balanced human being. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with that, dude. It's like, especially with all of the neuroscience around doing things like ice baths, like all the, all of the verifiable evidence of like, how good it can be to meditate, even just regular meditation, how good breathing. I think it's something like this, and and don't quote me on this, but I think um, 
uh, who's it? Uh, Andrew Huberman said this. So I, I don't actually know this. I saw this on an Instagram reel. In any case, he said, and and I think it's true. If you if you stop and you take a deep breath, you feel like your fucking shoulders are buried into your ears. Your fucking heart's beating like a rabbit, and you're so worried. It's like you can't even think. Stop. Take three seconds deep inhale. Like so, big deep inhale. Fill the stomach full of air for three seconds. Exhale three to three seconds. In six seconds, it can decrease the cortisol levels in your blood by up to 50%. And you can almost feel it melt off you if you really just like, all right, for a second here, I'm just going to take a deep breath and then a deep exhale. Anybody who's listening, give it a shot. If you're in your car, even if you're in your car, if you're at your house, whatever, give it a shot. It's real. And I think everybody's like kind of feels that. And if you're intentional about doing breathing like that, but like, then to your point, it's like, well, what are you, some kind of hippie? And it's like, no, dude, wrong, wrong way of thinking. Totally. Especially just with everything we know, science-based. Right. You know, this isn't just, hey, maybe this works. It's like, no, no, this freaking works. Right. So real quick, I think the one you're referring to is called the physiological sigh. Um, so you can do this. On right, a, right, right. You can do this on a run. I do this with people getting out of an ice bath. It's great when your heart rate's in that zone four, like 140s, or in an ice bath, right? It's right. Two explosive in through the nose, one out through the mouth. And you on your next run, try it out. You will see your heart rate go from 130, 140 to just 40 beats within seconds. Hmm. So it's a way, it's a good way, like we're, like you're saying to reset that system, no matter what it is, it could be a fight with the spouse. It could be a stressful work environment. Like we have, it could be anything, but that physiological reset is a way for us to be our own alchemist and be in charge of our system. And that's super important for everybody. You don't have to have like for this to be super incredibly helpful for you. You don't have to have two, two, uh, tours in Iraq, you know, like you're probably, even if you're dealing with like a day on a day-to-day basis, you're dealing with shit at work, you're dealing with whatever, and just light, you're just a civilian. Like this can be massive for you because you're probably caught up. What what got you into it? What what was the motivation to get into the military up front? Like why did you put yourself there? You know, I always saw it. Um I grew up in a single family household. Uh, my mom was a drug addict. Um and I found out I had a daughter. And um I knew I didn't want to replicate that same pattern. Uh so that was the impetus for me to to join the Marine Corps. Um, and yeah, it, it, uh, like I said, it changed my life. I don't like to get too negative because the things I'm doing now are positive, which is why I'm on this podcast talking about it. hundred percent. Glad I did it. I think all young men should do it as part of, as part of being members of this, uh, our free society. Um, but we got to talk about the balance aspect. Yeah, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. So then you get, so, so you deal with all of this, you get out. What do you do immediately when you get done with your second tour in Iraq? So I saw it's called a proximity suit. So or potato potato uh firefighters. So I saw firefighters put out a tent fire um in country in Iraq. And at the time I was thinking about being a federal agent or a cop of some sort. And uh as soon as I saw that, I was like, whoa. I can put fires out for a living. And I started going to the military bases and talking to guys about it. And I'm like, I like the structure, I like the uniforms. Um, so as soon as I came home, I went back to school and started digging deep into being a fireman. I was a, I was a firefighter for a year and a half in Peru as a, uh, Peru, Illinois. I was a, uh, I was a, uh, 
volunteer firefighter. So I just ran around with the beeper, ship would go off and then we'd show up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was awesome. That was an amazing experience. One thing I noticed, it was like, it, it sort of had a lot of, it wasn't like military by any means, but it, it had a lot of like military kind of structure. Yeah. It's you know called I mean? paramilitary. Yeah. Paramilitary. Yeah. yeah. Th- that's right. That's right. Yep. Um, so it kind of does make it kind of does make sense, like right off the bat, you know, you get out and you go into something like that, and so you're like, I want to, I want to get after. How many fires have you fought? Oh man, I don't, I don't know, just a, a lot. How long <laughs> yeah. have you been a firefighter? Uh, fifteen years now. Fifteen years, got you. Yeah. And what keeps you going there? I love, I love serving, man. I, I, I love helping people. Um, and again, that's where the balance comes back in. Um, being able to come to someone's house when they're having their worst day. Now, there's a lot of bullshit we run, right? We run a lot of medical stuff where you don't need to be in peak performance. Uh, but the times that you do, that's where I pride myself. Being able to stay honed in, dialed in, see the things that are going to happen, help people, help the guys around you. That, that's why That's why I love this job. And it's not really a job to me. It's yeah. a passion, man. Yeah, it's, it's fucking dope, man. Um, it, like, look, at some point, I want to get back to it. At some point, I want to get back to it because um, right now I'm just putting all my time into the gym, growing the gym out. And it's been like seven and a half years since I had, was on the department. Uh, but I was kind of waiting for my wife to get out of college. And it, her dad is the assistant chief of the Peru Fire Department. He just, one day I, I got out of the gym and uh, he was like, hey, you want to be a firefighter? We're looking for guys. And I was like, just thinking like the way he said it, it was just like, hey, just put an application in. You start tomorrow, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then it was like, dude, I went through the whole thing, man. I like, I went into the academy, man. I had to pass all the state exams. I had to do all that shit. And it was like trained. There's so much training and shit, but I loved it. I loved it so much, dude. And the first fire that I went to, man, this was, um, I wasn't supposed to go. It was a mutual aid call. Uh, I actually was supposed to go to the department. Uh, I didn't know cause I was a new guy and I just like, all my shit was in my car. Cause you just show up. Um, and it would like switch teams or whatever, but any case, my shit was in my car. So I just. I just jumped in my car in the morning. It was like two in the morning. I shot over to the house. I put all the shit on. I get out of the car. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I hear somebody say, grab, grab a chainsaw. There's only enough SCBA mass for uh, the guys who jumped on the truck. So they're, they've all got them. There's no more. There's no mass. I don't have one. I just have like my shit on. I was by the truck. I heard that. I just grabbed it from the truck, grabbed the chainsaw from the truck. It was a balloon frame house and it was fucking fire was coming out, fucking going up and they were, they wanted to vent, vent it. So they had a, they had a, a, a ladder up and <laughs> I, I came in, I came up and uh, Jeff was there and he was like, what the fuck are you doing? And I didn't think anything of it, but I, they were, I didn't think anything of it. I just, I, I have the chainsaw. So I, I climb up the fucking I climb up the ladder, flames are fucking flying, and I'm just chainsawing this thing. I don't have a mask on. Should not have been there, one. Two, I should have had a mask on. Shouldn't <laughs> have, everyone was standing around, so I was like, I'm going to do it. And uh, I got yelled at for that, but I got a lot of guys gave me respect for that because they were like, what the fuck? But to your point, I was just a young kid who didn't fucking know fuck. Right. I just showed up, and I was there to get get after it. But uh, after that, I was like, I fucking love this. This is, shit is insane. Yeah. You know? Well- <laughs> To that point, brother, if this is something you want to do or anybody listening, uh, when I tested in the city, I tested with, I think, 5,000 people. And I tested in the top percent and was hired pretty quickly. Um, the, the most recent application process, like they're having problems getting people. So I don't want to get in the weeds of why that is. But just so you know, if you want to do this job, it used to be like, oh, you would try and maybe never get a job. Right now, if you're like a fit dude, you're reasonably smart and you want to serve, 
you can jump in this service a lot easier than my journey was 15 years ago. So hell yeah. And dude, you would fucking, that would, dude, people would fucking love that if they really bought into that and jumped into it. I absolutely loved it. The thing is, is that fitness was always first for me. So that's why I resigned and we moved down here because I, I was always like, it, the plan was always to open a gym. And so like, this was the place to do it. But like someday I would like to go back to it because that was like, that was just amazing. And it's in any case, like, yeah, you get, you have the ability to serve and it shows you something like I, like I never saw some of the shit showing up to some of the cars with fucking like showing up some of the cars that were just destroyed. Like 75% of what we did in the town was basically motor vehicle accidents. So, I mean, that happens just like people's mangled bodies and you see it and it makes you think about life a little differently like look this could happen it's not even your fault like you shouldn't definitely not be texting and driving you it's like that is how you die you know what i mean so in any case not to get into that but like like i do think that you should put yourself through it you mentioned earlier that you feel like you know every young man should put themselves in the military i i definitely agree with that for the for that reason you will have such so much more of a respect for what you have here if you see some of the reality of it, you know what I mean? I do. Yeah. I mean, for yourself, for the great country we live in, um, you know, we, re- we used to have rites of passage. Um, so that's that's what I always tell young guys. Like, if, if you don't have a Division One, you're not going right to college, you don't have a, a sort of like beaming light on what you're going to do, go serve. Go serve your country. Yeah, dude, 100%, man. And so then you, you, you also do CrossFit. So you got into CrossFit. And uh, you're a trainer. So uh, explain all that. What got you into CrossFit? Why CrossFit? So one of my best friends in the Marine Corps was a bodybuilder. Big, like looked like he had a bunch of nutmegs in his shirt, just built dude. So he kind of taught me working out in 2000. And when I got out, uh, I got hired in the city. And my academy instructor told me I was going to gain 50 pounds my first year. And I'm the kind of guy that's wired like you. I thought, bullshit. Um, so I trained for the firefighter combat challenge. We went to worlds. Um, the best way I knew all special forces and everybody it wasn't what it is now. CrossFit. It was kind of back alley in people's garage. It wasn't corporate like it is now. So I did my first workout and I thought, Oh, I thought I was in shape. Um, so I started training CrossFit and then right away got my cert, started coaching it, uh, to get better at that firefighter combat challenge, which they say is the toughest two minutes in sports. I'll show you a video after this. It's uh, it, it's a trip, but that got me into fitness because I didn't want to be that norm, right? What, 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 why do you say like you thought you were fit until you did it? What, what was it? It just like, what was it that made you think that? You know, I don't want to shit on globo gyms, but I would do the globo gym thing. I would deadlift and then I would do cardio after. Um, and my first CrossFit workout was uh, Emily at CrossFit South City. They just closed and kind of a lot of their clients went to ready to live. And uh, my first CrossFit workout was uh, like 400 meter run with like 225 deadlifts. I was like, oh, I can deadlift, you know, almost 400 pounds. I got this. And I was like, ooh, I realized right away I'm not in the shape that I thought I was in. Um, So then I was, then I was just hooked. Dude. So this is, I I have always, I know we, we were just talking about this over the weekend. I, I have been in, I have been involved in fitness my, my whole life, like sports all the way up until end of college. Um, 
and then just lived in a gym sense. But like I, I always like to say, like I started working out when I was a freshman in in uh, in high school, and I've been sore ever since. I've just been just doing it, man. Mm-hmm. But one thing I never have gotten into is CrossFit for no specific reason. I I I admire the guys who get after it. But my thought was that CrossFit was a sport. And lately, uh, anytime I talk to somebody who's deep into CrossFit, they're like, no, man, there's a whole other side of it. But I think what people think about CrossFit, like, like let's say the gen pop people, the people that don't wrap their elbows up and like show up with the, with the, uh, with the chalk is that it is a sport and it's for like the super sands of the world of people go in and just do crazy stuff. Like what's the counter to that? Like, like why, why is there this weird thought that it's only a sport and like, what is, why is it not, not only a sport? I think that became the CrossFit games got so big, you know, like the rich frownings, the super, the Adonis looking people kind of started getting all the publicity and you you don't see the everyday community. You know, that's like less than 1% of our members at any CrossFit gym. The majority of people are my wife's a hairstylist. She works out at 5.30 a.m. every day. She does it because I believe it's the best thing you can do for fitness because we're going to work on mobility before we move. Then we're going to do, you know, a very short but fast workout and we're going to work on strength and then finish with some kind of cool down. So it condenses everything you do here in an hour. So if you're a high level person and you don't have two hours to play, you can get in and get out in an hour. Um, But community is the biggest thing uh, for CrossFit because much like the military, which is why I was drawn to it. When you suffer like that together, you know, the running community is like that. When you suffer, you're in that suck together. Um, it creates a bond with people. You know, it, it does. It really brings people together and you have that thing in common. Um, so that's really the biggest aspect of CrossFit is the, is the community. Dude, I got, I know somebody who, uh, he was at a CrossFit gym. Um, and I talk to him every time I go home, I'm part of the family. And uh, he always asks me how the gym's doing. And I always ask him how he's doing in his fitness. He, he gets after it. Any case, like he, uh, he was part of this CrossFit gym and it was in Bloomington, Illinois. And any case, he moved to Peru, Illinois, or, or maybe he's in LaSalle now. Any case, that's 45 minutes away. He didn't leave that gym. That motherfucker drives 45 minutes at least once a week to go hang out and, and train with those guys. And uh, he'll get up at like three in the morning, you know, and like drive out there, get yeah. the workout in, drive back, get to work. Uh and uh, I think that's insane. And I think I, I'm saying at least one time a week because I don't, I can't remember, you know, exactly. But just, just this last Christmas, he was telling me could be like up to three times a week if he's got the time, you know, just, yeah. just like the power of that community. Like he's willing to make an hour and a half trip, you know, 45 minutes there, 45 minutes back because he sees like the benefit and the power that like people don't really understand or give credit to when it comes to the, like the community aspect of fitness and how, how powerful that is. Right. Um, and I think, I think CrossFit has killed it with that, man. That's the one thing like, like bar none, like they crush, like you could only hope to have the community of CrossFit, you know? Yeah. It's not just, it's not just CrossFit though. It's anybody who really spends, I mean, look, uh, Matt Vince is, is, uh, just because this is specific to us is like, has been bringing so many people together just based on his brand, man. So hundred percent. And is that sort of, uh, is, is that sort of why you continue to push it? Uh, cause you can bring people in who are anybody or who do you like to work with mostly? As far as breath and exposure or well, breath and exposure, CrossFit, like what any of your coaching avenues, like what's the, what's, what, what is the demographic of people that you're looking to get, you're looking to help? So fitness has been part of my life for so long. It's just something I do. Right. 
It's part of the, it's part of who I am. So my biggest thing now is breath and exposure, right? Um, Because everybody I roll with is working out. But most of the people I roll with are not down regulating. They're not getting an ice. They're not having that balance. Um, So it's everybody um, for both, really. It's everybody. Uh, But the big push now is to get those people that are very alpha, very driven, whether it's corporate, firemen, cops, military, they're doing that hard workout, right? What are they doing after that? That's what I want to hear about. That's what's interesting to me. What are you doing after that hour? How are you coping? How are you showing up as a father, as a husband, at your job? Are you reactive, right? If somebody shows up, are you the reactive one? Or are you the one to calm in the storm? And that's what's interesting to me now. Because like I said, everybody I will roll with, everybody we were talking with at Dead Dope the other night, everybody's moving, everybody's working out. We're in that group, right? What's next? So how do you, how do you convince the people who think that's woo-woo that think that's, that's, that's not worth it. They don't have the time for that. How do you, how, how are you messaging to these guys? How are you getting them to convert to like, give it a shot? You know, I'm sure you understand this when you, when you're in fitness and you're doing something hard, you just have to be the model. I can preach until I'm blue in the face. Right. But all I can do is represent and show like what I'm doing and show my clients and keep showing up and building, I don't want to say brand because it sounds corporate, but building my brand, right? I'm trying to be the one, I am the only one in the Midwest doing this right now. So just keep putting information out there, keep putting the science out there, keep dispelling myths on it's dangerous, or it has to be this 2% body fat person that does it. We have all walks of life, man. I have clients that have gotten all pain meds, SSRIs, um, and the list goes on. Someone like Sam, um, the list goes on as far as like medical uh, mental health benefits for these practices. Dude. Um, wh- okay. Before I get it, before I bring us back, cause I, I want to continue on like the, I want to continue on the story as, as we go. But before I do that, what types of exposure are there? How do you, how does it, how is it, is it only hot? Is it, or sorry, cold? Is it only, is there a hot, is sauna part of this? Like, and, and like, what's the, uh, what's the process that you run somebody through? Is there like a diagnosis based on something like, Hey, you're dealing with this, like jump in the sauna. Or, hey, you're dealing with this, like jump in the, jump in the, the, the cold plunge. So for my event specifically, we're going to do the breath. We're going to do 20 minutes of breath, upregulation, downregulation. Then we're going to get into the ice for three minutes. Um, I coach people through it. They're going to have that very quick fight or flight. Oh, shit, I got to get out. And I'm going to teach them that they just need to extend that exhale, which is how to downregulate in that, in that ice. Then we get in the sauna and we do three rounds. So that's my normal structured event, right? Um, my practice and all the science for Huberman lab and Dr. Soberg is hitting 185 or above 185 degrees, getting about 30 to 60 minutes a weekend that lowers all cause mortality. That's good for mental health, recovery, literally all the things I call it the WD 40 for the body and soul. Same with the ice six to nine minutes of an ice bath a week adds just compounds all those benefits much like much like your investment portfolio when you do both it's like an insane combination um for all things health and fitness and like you what's the frequency what's the what's the frequency per week if you're somebody who's like working out like a a lunatic right now like let's say you're doing 10 miles (laughs) 10 miles of running a day like for like the ultra marathon runner people slash like the people who just work out for an hour a day and they're like they're busting their ass and they're like i get all the meditation i need through like the workouts 
like how often should they do it same or I tell people much like a much like fitness or if you're about to take a medication or if you're going through anything that you're adding to your repertoire right let's say you're adding vitamin D or you're adding creatine I tell people pay attention so my practice is once a week um I just fought in guns and hoses uh, a couple months ago um so I did ice every day for that cuz I needed to recover um but I didn't notice the cognitive or mental health benefits from that so I kind of dialed back and now I'm like one to two times a week and so before I started this practice, if I didn't work out in a couple of days, I'd get that like, oh, my wife would be like, you need to go work out. Well, that's where it's come now for my breath and exposure practice. Like I can kind of tell I'm getting a little tight, getting a little like antsy. Um, and so my body tells me. So what I tell people is do it, start the practice, practice and whatever's accessible to you. You know, when you start the practice, you start noticing the changes and then that'll you'll get the deep dive and you'll start looking at the tubs and how much ice do I need to buy? And you'll go down a rabbit hole. So when you got done, let's go back to the story. Um, because I kind of want to know how long it takes. So like how long it takes for something like a cold plunge or uh breathing, a uh, regular practice before you get good. Cause I know like there is a, there's a skill to this to some degree. Do you think, you know, you can get this right away? Does it take like a certain amount of time? So when you first find this, how long until you realize you realize it's working or is it like first, first time? Well, like I said, when I found cryotherapy right away, I, I noticed the cognitive benefits. I knew, noticed it snapped me out of my head. I noticed it gave me that sort of meditation feel that took me so months to find. Uh, and I realized it was within seconds. Um, so everyone's different. And what I tell people is wherever you're showing up in your central nervous system, that's what the ice is going to tell you, right? So what I say is when you feel that resistance, like I'm tired today, I don't want to do this. I don't want to get in the ice. It's cold outside. What I tell people is that's the resistance you need to push through and do the practice. So we talked about I'm a fireman, right? So I didn't sleep very much last night. If I go do an ice bath right now in front of you, it's going to take me 20, 30 seconds to find my breath. If I'm on my four day and I'm regulated and I'm doing my normal practices, you won't even see me react. I go in, I dunk under, I come back up and I'm chilling like a villain. So it's wherever mm. you're showing up in your central nervous system. So when I tell people, there's no getting better at it. I see. It's a gauge for you to see where you're at in your central nervous system. And the best part is there's no contraindications. The only contraindication would be if you're trying to gain muscle mass, you don't want to stop those microfiber tears after you just do five by five back squat. You want to wait three, four hours to do that. Other than that, there's no real fitness contraindications. That's interesting, right? Like th the funny thing is that a lot of people are talk, a lot of people like talk about like the ice bath. Like I did an ice bath when I was in football, I played college football at Western Illinois University. I did a, I did a, it wasn't super cold, 53 degrees. I did from the neck down. I did it for 15 minutes after every practice. And then sometimes I would finish, I would follow up with a, with a sauna, but I just found that to be so unbelievably useful because like playing football, it's like your body's getting fucking hit. Like, it's like, it's like being in a car crash every day, just fucking your right. body, you know? Right. In any case, like that really beats your body up. So I was just like, yo, I'm going to do the the ice bath. And I, and I, I would roll out and all that stuff as well. I'm a really huge fan of rolling out. But for recovery, if you look at the science of like ice baths for recovery, it's actually 
the least effective recovery method. So people like kind of write it off as like, I don't need to do ice bath, ice bath for recovery for the body. So it's interesting that you say that. Um, and I, I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm like ice bath over, I'm like, ice, I, I'm, I be, I'm a believer in ice bath, but it's just kind of interesting how I don't think it's really any, I, I don't really talk about an ice bath when it comes to recovery in the body. I only talk about the ice bath for the neuro, the neuroscience, the neuroscience, benefits of it which are just clear right. uh but here's the thing i don't do them on a regular basis so right. fuck me i i want them in my new gym when we get to the new gym i will have a infrared sauna and i'll have an ice bath because i do want to make it a regular practice but to your point it's like accessibility is hard even in even in in like like ultra marathon training it's difficult for me to like make an ice bath with like all of the shit that i have going on so i roll and stretch like a maniac because i'm trying to take care of my body stay hydrated that kind of thing but i want to add that in so much so the pain so the pain of this thing sort of brings you to the moment you have to you have to down regulate you have to get your breath it takes you 20 to 30 seconds let's say you're somebody who's like a, a rabbit that's just always stressed out are there other things that that you found that have that can bring people to this in the same way an ice bath can do is it is is it required for you to put yourself in this sort of let's say pain or suffering to bring yourself to the present moment almost automatically or do you think like people can get that in other ways yeah you can like i said i found that with tm um journaling there's a lot of tools out there um but for most of us that are in this kind of hypervigilant world, everything's click, everything's now. That's what I found, right? Here's the thing. I've never told anybody this. So you're hearing it let's, first. Let's go. This was a trick for me to get someone like you who doesn't have the time, did it in college, but hasn't done it since. The corporate guy, the military guy that says it's woo-woo. This was my trick to get them into being woo-woo. Let's go. This has been my sort of like scheme to get people to downregulate, to find that meditative state because you can't hide from it. Like I said, once you get in there and you find that breath, it's you and you're present in that moment. So yes, there are plenty of avenues to get there. This is what I found is the quickest and then has all the other benefits that are most beneficial. But here's the best part. Most people are not doing this alone. That's why my, my business has taken off. It's again about community. Yeah. It's groups. I don't know a lot of people doing this on their own. Yeah. I do it on my own. I have maybe three, four clients that bought cold plunges since I've been doing this for three years, but it's a group. It's people doing it in groups. And we call the sauna the truth barrel because once you get out of that ice, the science now is you want to auto-regulate, get a little horse dancing, get some movement, and then get in the truth barrel, we call it. Same thing. You're in that 220-degree sauna. That's what I roll my sauna at. You're at 220 degrees. You're cold. About eight minutes in, now you're at zone four cardio. You're in 130, 140. Now you've got to find that breath again. Now you're coming back to that breath. So again, it's a community, but it's you. So all the tools that I just taught you in the first part where you're doing breath for 20 minutes, you learned in the ice. Now you've got to kind of auto-regulate to keep that heart rate down because it's just thumping and you're sweating and you're like, I want to get out. And it's finding that breath and being present to get through that 15, 20 minutes of that, that heat. So you tra kind of travel, you can, can you travel around with this? Do you have like, uh, do you have, um, like, like bat, uh, let's say ice bats that are mobile? I do. Yeah. So I'm an ambassador for ice pod. It's all in my link tree on the, on the Instagram. Good. Gotcha. They're pretty reasonable. Very easy to pop up. My Cody, uh, coach Cody does a lot of pop-ups at yoga studios. 
Um, those have been the quickest for someone that wants a home practice. We have a couple clients that are college students that can just put it on their balcony and it's this, this size. Um, so those are great. You don't need as much ice. I have a hundred, hundred gallon ice or a horse trough. Um, and that it's used a lot of ice, you know, you get more space for a bigger human, but it's a ton of ice to get, to get the temperature. Yeah. That's that like, there's a, there's a couple of those that you can, uh, something like that, what you're talking about that you can buy for the, your house and you can just like refill it with ice. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about that too, but I look at it and I'm like, man, I, I kind of need like a big ice maker. I want to buy like a big ice maker, dude. You know what I mean? And have yeah. one at my house. Yeah. But um, I'm like not taking action on it. I need to take action on it, dude. Because yeah. you're getting me all of this talk about this. I'm like, this is something I need right now. Yeah. I'm fine with the, dude, I'm I'm always on like a million miles an hour. Like, and I, and then I hit like a week where it's just like body says, fuck you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, I, and then it's just, I'm still trying to push through that, I'm like, I'm trying to push through it, not like, you know, kind of lying to myself, trying to just be like, you know, I'm not tired. I'm not, you know, keep saying, do whatever you got to say to keep trying to push yourself Yeah. when I could just do this and find my way of balance yeah. while you're still pushing into this high thing. I think that's the biggest issue I have right now currently. This yeah. is why I just recently, uh, I've been like, all about this particular thing so it's interesting yeah. what's the what is the difference between an ice bath and cryo do um, they have the same effect yeah very similar so like i said it, because it was my first experience it got me into it so i call it the gateway drug for cold exposure um you know it's not as hard it's a vapor you're putting on booties and mittens and you're in there and you got to find your breath and your skin's going to feel tight and you're going to get that dopamine release um but it's not the same sort of visceral, like what you've seen online, right? It's everywhere now. It's not the same like, oh shit, where you need a breath practice. Um, so it's great for recovery. If you can find it and that's all you got, I say do it. Um, but yeah, there's 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 nothing like like getting in, in an actual ice bath. One second, dude. I got I to gotta do that again. Okay. Sorry about that. Okay. So what do you do... Um, so what do you do now? Do you still deal with these these traumas that make you kind of from from your past that uh that make you like hyper vigilant that make you feel like that somebody might come in here at any moment you're checking the corners, making sure people aren't on the roofs that kind of thing like do you still deal with that and if you do deal with that are you are you just like right away you're using the you're like I need to get in the ice bath right now is this like a like an app but you you apply this practice immediately when you start feeling it come back how's it go yeah your questions are great by the way <laughs> good shit <laughs> um so here's the thing when i started transcendental meditation i was really worried because of my job that it was going to make me quote i honestly i thought i would turn into a pussy because of the stigma around people who meditate and do yoga and so i asked my meditation teacher is this going to make me worse at my job like am i going to start like not reacting and he said no Actually, this is going to make you a precision tool because now that outside noise isn't going to be there. So now you're going to be able to hyper-focus when you actually need to. And that's what I found. I found it to be where combat stuff's gone. I can watch war movies. I can hear gunshots and fireworks where I didn't used to. And now when things happen, I can dial in much quicker. I can be the calm in the storm without all that stuff. Now the fire service, right? When I run a bunch of calls and I'm tired... I can get in that hypervigilant state. So again, like I told you, what I do is instead of avoiding it, 
I'll go right into an ice bath to reset. Mm. Another tool I have. So we talked about traveling. I used to always find a CrossFit gym when I traveled. As soon as I travel now, I try to find a, a cold exposure place. Now there's not a ton of them out there, but same thing. When I travel, that's the hardest cold exposures I've ever done. I get into that ice bath again, 30 seconds to a minute to downregulate from not sleeping, altitude, stressful, like I did in LA at Deuce Gym. It was one of the hardest ice baths I'd ever done because we sat in really bad traffic. It took a while to get there. I was like, okay. So then I'm able to reset and be with my family instead of being in that traffic, oh, vacation, Disney for three days. I was like, boom, I can do this now. Okay. And reset. Um, so it makes me better at, at everything, man, to be honest. Dude, that and that's such a massive, that's such a massive thing. You guys, if you're like a road rager, it's funny. I I said this to somebody, um, I said to somebody literally, t- literally today, saw a post that there was a person who was talking about basically uh, this guy who did a mental challenge where he sat on a chair and watched a clock, like stared at the clock for 24 hours and just tried to not move his face away from it for 24 hours. And uh, that was interesting, right? It was like, holy shit. And then he, he did another challenge where I think he did a couple of days where like he just stared into the eyes of his buddy, like eye contact with his buddy for like two days. And, uh, and it was like, do you think this is, do you think this is useful? And I'm like, and I, my, my thing, my message was, I think that would be extremely useful because that would be hard as fuck. That would be like super hard. No music, nothing. You're just staring at a thing. Like mm-hmm. what the hell? Um, like I said, I think it's harder to do that than run for 24 hours because running for 24 hours, you have a pain to deal with and all sorts of shit's going on. It's just moving by you. There's, there's like shit going on that you can get, you can kind of like wrap your mind around and, and distract yourself. Right. But like for something like that, it's like, it's you with yourself in front of this fucking clock or like staring at your buddy, which I guess that's like a two person thing, which is interesting. I said the utility would be to never have road rage again. Yeah. Funny you mentioned that. So I didn't mention that part of my story. So before, yeah, I, yeah, found, before I found all this stuff, uh, my wife met me right out of the Marine Corps. Um, and we would be driving and somebody would flip me off for no reason. And I was the guy. I'm embarrassed to say it now because I don't recognize that, that person. But I would follow that person. Because when they did that, I took that as like, okay, I got to finish it. And she was in the car with me one day and I followed this person. And got up on them, got out of my car, and knocked on their window. Oh. And my wife is very grounded. Uh, I got back in, and she's like, this is not healthy. Like, this, that can go really wrong really quick. And I was like, but he, and I just defended everything I was doing. I was mm. literally the stereotype veteran. Angry, inflamed, worked out all the time, but I knew all the answers, right? Everything was black and white. And now when I tell you that out loud... I see those people and now I sort of giggle. I think, oh man, I was there, you know? And now my go-to phrase is like, I say it to my wife, where a parent's going off in our sports games. I'm like, they need an ice bath, you know? Because I used to be that person. I was reactive. I was at the whim of any outside thing that happened. I was ready to go to war and finish whatever that looked like. And that creates disease. That creates inflammation. That pushes people away. That black or white thinking. So if you're that person that's listening and you get road rage, it's not a way to live. It's not healthy. You're not doing yourself a service. Find these practices that we're talking about and find a way to to downregulate. So when you see that, you go, oh, I know what that behavior is. 
but not let it be part of you anymore. So it's kind of like, like a bring like this, this cold, this cold exposure is forcing aware, like this, this, I guess, state of being where you can start to become, you can build a tool to become more aware of what you are, who you are. And then you can start to actually improve. That's interesting. That's a, that's a really powerful point, dude, because what you described is, uh, basically the word for it is cognitive dissonance Mm -hmm. and cognitive dissonance is basically you're wrong for sure. Cause that's not good. But when I say you're wrong, whether I have all the facts in the world or not, you are going to defend that. And you, and you are going to defend that with anything irrational. You be, it's like your brain blinds you to any open mind. And then you like come back at it. For example, any belief you have right now, think about it. You have beliefs that are, you have, you have beliefs so freaking ingrained right now that like if somebody says the opposite of that belief and they, they better yet, if they say your belief isn't true, watch your emotions just fucking rise up and just heat come to your face. Mm-hmm. Um, people aren't aware of that when it happens, you know? And uh, it, to your point, I mean, you know, you might follow somebody down the road, knock on their shit. God, God forbid, like they take a gun out and shoot you because they have a gun in the car um, and they just want to like shoot you and get out of there. But like that could be the outcome of something like that when it really could just be one of those things where you feel that anger rise up. And it's not really about not having the anger, you know? But but like your wife is like, dude, what the fuck? And then you, it's like regardless, regardless of how wrong you are, you, you don't, you you aren't in a place where you can see yourself being wrong and defending it with bullshit. And you'll come up with anything. Cognitive dissonance is interesting. It's like if you watch it, you 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 are very blind to con- cognitive uh, dissonance, mm-hmm. very blind to it. This is a blind spot. Everyone has it, and you're blind to it. So it's very difficult. And then when somebody says, "Hey, dude, like you're doing it." you will fucking you will argue no i'm not because mm-hmm. and it's so hard because you are 100 percent right in your mind even though you'll come up with anything that's interesting so this is a tool to get around that a tool to bring awareness to that that's interesting man that's super powerful man people don't understand how how useful that is because emotions you can't make decisions based on emotions man right so like what what is your what is your goal moving forward what is your like end goal moving forward? How, how would you like this thing to evolve, breath and exposure? I mean, me personally, I'm just trying to expose as many people as I can. You know, that's why I have the mobile trailer. That's why I'm doing podcasts. Um, just letting people know. I, I've been telling clients, like right now it's trending, right? It's everywhere. People are talking about it. It's on everybody's social. It's in the algorithm. But I tell people this is not trendy, right? The East has been doing this since the beginning of time getting in cold, um, getting in heat. It's just been part of the human process. The West kind of lost it. Um, and I'm just trying to be the ripple in, in the pond of healing and trying to spread it as much as I can. Um, You're also doing stuff like in the water. I saw, you know, every couple of weeks you do this water, um, this water class. Explain that. You were like, you had dumbbells under the water, man. You were doing some wild shit. Yeah, so that's part of XPT. Like I said, Garrett, uh, Laird Hamilton and Gabby Reese, this is, that's their entity. Um, and yeah, very similar to the breath and cold. Um, when you get underwater and you're holding two 50-pound dumbbells, that scarcity kicks in. And it's like, nope, I can't do it. And what we're doing is we're building CO2 tolerance. 
Now, if you know anything about CO2 tolerance, once we build that CO2 tolerance, everything gets better, right? So stress levels, GI, mental health, sleep, sexual function, literally everything gets better because you're processing oxygen better, Mm. right? So if we do a test, regular CO2 tolerance test is at rest. It's like gauge like the ice. Natural nasal inhale, natural nasal inhale, and then hold. If you can't hold past 30 seconds, you know you're in that fight or flight. We know you're not efficiently processing oxygen well. So that's when all that dysfunction happens. And I talk about that in my seminars. So that's what we're doing in the swim. It's fun, very low impact. You feel like a kid because you're underwater with weights. But the main thing, again, I'm tricking people. I'm tricking people to be their own alchemists. They're learning how to do CO2 tolerance, right? I love that. I, uh, sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to. So again, much back to the yoga and all that stuff. All of this is a scheme of mine to trick everybody that's the alpha that wouldn't do that, showing them the athletic pursuits that can get them to be their own alchemists. So instead of just sitting here like this and ohm, they're doing athletic stuff. They're doing cool, sexy things that are in the zeitgeist now, but actually they're getting better at all these mental health and all these personal mantras and down-regulating, and sleeping better, and all the health benefits of the meditation and the yoga. Dude, it's, I, love, I love that um, you're tricking people into becoming their own alchemist. That is so interesting. That's so right. That's the right way to put it. Yeah. I've, been I've, never, tr- I've, never, I've never told anybody that, but this seemed, this seemed like the good, the good place to do it. No, that's right. That's, that's, that's right, dude, because it's like, uh, look, that's the interesting thing, right, about like the fitness industry and like how 75% of the people that really need this don't come and do it. That's what's interesting. You know, like it's, it's like we need, we, need to, we need to get those people to come over to fitness, but they're like, I'm not going to waste an hour a day with fitness. Could you imagine not exercising every day? To some, at, at, like to some degree, could you imagine not getting your heart rate up to at least 50% of your heart rate max, which by the way, you get by a brisk, briskly walking for no more than 30 minutes a day. You mm-hmm. don't get that. Mm-hmm. Three of four people in the United States that are adults do not get that every day chronically. Mm-hmm. That is insane. But like you try to tell them like, hey, you got to work out every day. And they're like, you want me to go to that fucking dirty place and like hurt myself for an hour a day? Fuck right off. Mm-hmm. And we're like, no, you don't understand. Like all of those pains in your back and your fucking legs and your arms and your joints, it's all tightness. And like, you know, you're, you're not getting oxygen into your body. Like you're, you have headaches every day at noon. You feel like you can't even think straight. It's not because of the food. Don't get me wrong. Probably because of the food. But mm-hmm. you're not exercising more then 30 minutes a day, at least every other day, dude, come, let me show you how I can profoundly change your life. Yeah. You know, that's the first step. So the goal in, in personal training at this point for me has been, how can I, how can I create a system that can keep people doing this for their life where it's not like, uh, I'm boring them with the science of exercise physiology because that's what it comes down to. Mrs. Jones comes in. It's like, I'm not going to be like, all right, we're going to work the glutes or the, I'm not going to work like the biceps. I'm not going to even say the muscle groups. Dude. We're just doing upper body today. Good to go. And even that's a little bit much. And I'm not going to go too in depth unless she wants it. Like for the most part. And then variety, you see people like working variety, variety, variety. I have this thing where I say, this is the last thing I'll say on it, but basically that it's not the results that keep people coming. It's what keeps people coming that gives them the results. So it's consistency and finding ways almost to entertain you, tricking them to get the benefits 
It's basically what is happening in the fitness industry I see. And I don't, I don't disagree with it. Orange Theory Fitness kills with this particular model. They give you dope, they, they're used the dopamine hits. They get you on the app, they give you the watch, you get instant results. You watch your, you watch your calories as they burn, you see what zone you're in on a screen. And then when you leave, you immediately get rewards come to your phone and like all this stuff. And then you can just share it to Facebook in a second, making the workout fun. And if you look at an Orange Theory workout, what's an Orange Theory workout? But, uh, and the reason I say Orange Theory is because Orange Theory became a $1 billion company in literally 11 years. So they, they know what they're, whoever the fuck is doing it, the cabal might be doing it, but like <laughs> they're, they, they have a model that works, mm -hmm. but they're doing what you said. They're like, they're coaching, they call it coaching, but there's no real fitness. Uh, there, maybe there are some fit, uh, fitness professionals, but not really fitness professionals. I, I was an orange theory coach for six months. In any case, there's not any real fitness instructors in there. They're coaching a template the template is the focus is to distract the people on the on the treadmill. Mm -hmm. So you're coaching the treadmill, and then people do dumbbell dumbbell exercises, pretty non-invasive, lower weight, and then they'll be on the on the row machine. But the reason why they want you to focus on the treadmill, focus on the treadmill, dude. Like, make sure you you're on the time with the treadmill. You're doing these different weird stuff for 30 minutes of the workout, and then they switch. There's 24 people, 12 people on the row uh, on the runners, and then on the floor. Long story short, it's a 30 minute, it's 30 minutes on the treadmill is even if you were just power walk, that's the minimum requirement for the day. Right. So it's just making it fun. Yeah. Well, and they popped up in the boot, uh, the boutique fitness, which started from CrossFit. <clears throat> right. And so I don't want to shit on the fitness industry. It's no, great. hit it. It, it, hit it. it. It's great. Right. We're getting people moving. Um, right. Exactly. That's what, that's where I try to go with it. <laughs> We're getting people moving. Um, but the future is, I'm glad to hear you say you want cold. The future is, if you want people to be healthy, hmm. um, it's not 30 or 60 minutes a day, right? That's why CrossFit took off. We're talking about how to eat. We're talking about mobility. Now, we're bringing this to it, right? So now, instead of just that 30, 60 minutes a day, it's a lifestyle. Right, right. It's not check off this box for 30, 60 minutes. When you're doing more hard stuff throughout the day, you're much more likely, if you're doing an ice bath, you're not going to go eat dog shit when you get out of the ice bath, right? You feel good. You feel clean. You're going to make a better choice, right? The more we can kind of compound these good choices, these down-regulating choices, these movement choices, the more it turns into a lifestyle. And that's what I want to see. And I'm starting to see it in the fitness industry. That's what XPT is all about. When you go to their things, it's all about how to eat clean, how to cook clean, community, ice and cold, um, instead of just that splat point. Like that's great. That's great for somebody wanting to lose a bit of, bit of weight to get to a wedding or somebody's going from, I call it couch to 5k. That's great. But for people that have been in the fitness realm for a while and they've kind of stopped at their goals and they're starting to feel inflammation and they have injuries, we got to start adding what I'm, what I'm doing to the fold. So, so a responsible gym owner, someone who's a real fitness professional, that's what Will's getting ready to do it, ready to live, adding that element. Because you got to have the balance. You got to have the down regulation. You got to have the healing. You got to have the, the fitness professionals that are finding the edges right now. And eventually, what I'd like to see to kind of long answer your question, I want to see that be a part of every gym. Yeah, that's why I, when I, I, I will have this. I will have this in my gym and in in our next gym. And our next gym is coming within 12 to 18 months. Guaranteed 100%. 
it is happening. Um, and I'm not, I'm going to have this element. I'm going to have cold. I'm going to have warm, uh, infrared saunas. Um, because I do, I want to be more, I want to be more than just the workout. I want to be more than just the, the, uh, the, uh, nutrition side of things. All that is super important. Um, but I also like, I, I want, there's, there's one thing that's always missing and that's like re one recovery, but two, like, like, what are we doing? What are we doing to, to, and what tools are we using to become more aware of ourselves? And that is such a thing that doesn't really exist in the fitness industry. Like just working out, you can become more aware of yourself, but what are we doing to build the skill of harnessing like awareness, man, awareness. And the first month of personal training for us is it's called, I call it awareness month where it's like when people come in, they have this idea. I need something. I need better because right now everything I'm doing isn't working. Let's say I feel stuck. Whether they're, and most of the people who come here, they're executives, they're doctors, they're high achieving human beings. They're not like people who, you know what I mean? That are just doing nothing and like they're to total messes. They are, they're high achievers, but they're like fucking, I don't know what I can't, I can do all this other stuff. I can't do this, something wrong. And I say, okay, well, like uh, how much are you working out? What are you doing? Like, what is your goal? They have no idea. Mm -hmm. Like they, they kind of, I was kind of hoping you could set my goal for me. And I'm like, that's, that's well, that's and what I've found and what I've been doing for three years is those are the hardest people to get to be sitting with self. Um, here's my favorite story since I've been doing this for three years. So my kids helped me much like fitness. They grew up in a little pumpkin seat. I grew up coaching with kids on shoulders at our gyms. Um, and so they've seen it. They've seen the fitness. Now they've seen the breath and exposure and we were flying to LA to go to Disney and my son was, I think, eight at the time. And we had really bad turbulence. So they're not bringing the drinks out. And it's kind of shaky, you know. It doesn't bother me because I've flown a ton of times. But this is, I think it was his first ever flight. And I'm watching. Kids are freaking out. Kids are crying. And I look over. And I notice my son's doing box breathing. Dude, that makes me want to cry. Because most adults don't know how to regulate their internal world. Mm. And so I let him do it. Once I saw he like regulated himself, I was like, hey, man, were you doing box breathing? He's like, yeah, because I saw you teaching it. And that's the best testimony that I've had so far. That an eight-year-old boy can regulate his internal world when most adults right now don't want to fucking do that. Mm. So that is my mission. That is our next goal. Cody's going to be going and getting his physio first. I don't know if you follow him. Getting this into schools, teaching kids, getting the sports programs. Very high-level kids programs are doing it. Top NBA, top uh, professional sports are doing it. But that's my goal is start teaching kids how to do it. Getting them to have those tools young so they don't make those mistakes and be road ragers when they're 16, 18, 20, no matter what they've seen in life, right? But be able to be present. I see this outside stimulus, turbulence, stress, whatever it is, and being able to have that tool of breath. Very simple. Breathe in four seconds. Breathe out four seconds. Hold. Breathe in. Hold. Exhale. Hold. So, yeah, man. It's probably the most, if you think about it, it's probably the most powerful thing kids will need in the future with just with the way technology is going, man. You're like, I don't like, like everybody from like me down. I'm, I, I lived a short period with, with like Facebook just became a thing, but it was MySpace just became a thing. And so like when I was in uh, high school and I'm 30 years old right now, 
So like I, there was this place where there wasn't social media the way that it is now. And there's this place where there's social media the way it is now. So I have this way of being like, look, this isn't right. This is fucking weird. What's happening? Extremely powerful, extremely detrimental, but like the amount of information being crammed in your face and, and down your throat, like navigating that will require emotional control because they know how to get you to engage online. And it's by totally take, like uh, compromising you based on your lack of emotional control. It's mm. like, Donald Trump, how do you feel? Like, mm. Biden, how do you feel? Abortion, how do you feel? It's like, they can just throw fucking words at you and they know you're going to lose your fucking mind and you might be smart as fuck, but, but they have found a way to infiltrate your mind with words like Trump, Biden, all the bullshit. Mm. And they totally disarm you because you don't have the tools to downregulate and be aware of that your emotions are out of control. I know a lot of super successful people who are totally disarmed when you just say the word Trump. Right. They, well, they can't even think anymore after it's, that happens. It's everything we were saying. Like I call it, you can't pull every rope. And so that black or white thinking that I used to be a part of, I would engage in those conversations. I would say, this is why. And I would use my military service as my evidence for my opinions. And now I just say, you're right. Yeah. You're right. There's so much power. And when someone's ready to tell you how much they know and how right they are, you're not. I said this years ago and Facebook got insane. And I've, I've been off Facebook for a while. Like, you're not changing hearts and minds in the Facebook comments or the YouTube comments. So keep your political stuff to yourself. How about let's just make the world a better place? Like I said, teach my kid how to downregulate. That's what I'm saying. We need uh, more of that. And you, so you talked about the pool stuff. My son is by far the best person in the water because he has those tools and he's been doing it from little. He will take dumbbells, go to the deep end at the 21C Hotel. It's where I hold my events and just walk in circles. And the adults are like, is he okay? I'm like, he's the best one at this. That's freaking amazing. Dude, you got to come. It's Dude, I'm like, mark my words, man. I will be there. I will be there 100%. Um, and, and it's on Sundays. Uh, at Sundays at 2 p.m., correct? Like every other Sunday? Yeah, I, I got a schedule next month, but yeah. It'll, for everybody listening to this, it'll be down in the description. All of all of Josh's links will be down in the description. Um, and everything we talked about in this podcast will be down in the description. So so definitely go check that shit out and uh, and and go go learn about more and book some of these classes and, and start like taking this kind of shit seriously. Because I, I do, like I said, I think that this, this type of tool, it will be the only, because it's not less social media. That's not happening. It's not less like they, it's being used. Tech companies, they're doing it. Uh, I just saw this thing. The, the um, Apple Vision Pro is basically augmented reality. We're all going to live in the digital world. Look, it's, 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 it's going to happen. What you need to do is you need to know how to navigate it. And I'm just looking at the time now, dude. This has been a this has been an awesome podcast. I have one more question for you. Um, we're gonna have clients and trainers coming in here in a second, so I gotta okay. I gotta I gotta break this thing down. Um, but in any case, the last uh, the last question. What's up, guys? We're we're about done here. Just give us like one second. Um, the last question here, my man. Um, and I ask this to everybody. And dude, and also thank you so much for coming on, man. This has been amazing. Yeah, it's been fun, and I can't wait to cut this up and get this out because you've said a lot of really amazing things and and a lot of things that people really need to start like buying into, man. I mean, this stuff is is real, and I and I think that you're right. I think it is getting bigger, and we need to continue to spread the message. So, if you had if you had the ear of every every single person on the planet, all eight billion of these motherfuckers out there, and you had their ear and their attention, and you could do one message. What would it be? 
honestly, this goes back to when I was in recovery. I think it would be, um, you are loved, uh, you matter. And whatever you're drawn to, whatever that thing is that you find yourself reading about, searching about, doesn't matter what you do for a living. Find a way to be the ripple in the pond and spread that thing, right? I had that scarcity mindset like, oh, I'm going to be the breath coach. I'm going to get made fun of. And I had this kind of awakening like somebody's got to fucking do it. Somebody's got to do it first. So be fucking first. Mm. Whatever that thing is, whatever that passion is of yours, be first. Someone's got to be first. Follow that passion. Let's change the world a ripple at a time. I love that, man. Thank you so much. That was well said. Hell yeah, dude. Thank you so much. So grateful to have met you. So grateful that you have opened up your time to come in here and talk with us, man. And um, I can't wait to get this podcast out because that was badass. And it was good fun, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, brother. Guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much. And everybody, thank you for chiming in, uh, you know, listening to this podcast. Um, if you made it this far, you're the best. And uh, like, sh share, subscribe, do all the stuff you do with all of your other uh, uh, influencer people and uh, all of josh's information will be down in the description and man i love this shit man thank you so much uh and always remember folks think big live better and uh we'll see you on the next one peace